Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to Hot Topics in CT, May 2015, What the Literature is Telling Us, and this is Part 2. In Part 1, I covered several interesting topics, and let's look at a few other things that I think are making news for us uh, in the first quarter of 2015. Simple question, who should get baseline serum creatinine levels before CT? Is it everybody? Is it nobody? Is it an age limit? Is it a clinical history? Um, what's a good rule? And again, you need to have rules in your practice. Here are some of the things that are really commented on by the ACR manual on contrast media. Age over 60, patients with history of renal disease, including dialysis, transplant, single kidney, or cancer. History of hypertension requiring medical therapy. History of diabetes and patients on metformin. Now, Again, you will have different rules. Some people will say with myeloma, some people would want an oncology patients. There are a number of different rules you can follow, but this is a pretty good classic rule. Now, a question also comes to me, what about contrast nephropathy? How do we prevent it? Well, we also talk about hydration. Well, then people ask, what's the hydration policy? And here's a good one. The ideal infusion rate and volume is unknown, but isotonic fluids are preferred, particularly uh, uh, normal saline works well. One protocol would be normal saline at 100 mLs per hour, 6 to 12 hours before a CT scan, and up to 12 hours after IV contrast is given. Okay, that takes time, right, obviously. It also means the patient's in the hospital. We use oral hydration in most cases. Patients drink 1,000 cc's of fluid when they get to CT. We also make sure they drink before and after the study. So again, oral works well but of course, IV is going to be better, but it's not practical. Now, another question people ask me is what about metformin or the many things that are kind of like metformin? Well, if you go back a number of years, the FDA was very strict. There were no ifs, ands, or buts. Patients in whom IV contrast is going to be used, metformin should be temporarily discontinued at the time of the study or before the study and withheld for 48 hours after the procedure and then you do a renal function study, and then you make certain the patient's normal, and you start contrast up again. That is not a trivial process. Well, the ACR has looked at this carefully and says, well, that may be the FDA, but let's tell you what's really the thing to do. We really have metformin and three different groups of patients who should be treated separately. Group one. Patients with normal renal function and no known comorbidities, there is no need to discontinue metformin prior to IV contrast, nor is there a need to check creatinine levels. So basically, forget about it. Category two, these are patients with multiple comorbidities with normal renal function. Metformin should be discontinued at the time of the exam and with health of 48 hours. You typically do not need to get a uh, creatinine level, and but you can if you wanted to. Uh, a repeat is not mandatory if the patient has normal creatinine baseline, was clinically stable, and had no intercurrent risk factors, then simply metformin can be restarted at 48 hours without repeating the serum creatinine measurement. So again, that's a bit easier. Category three of patients taking metformin who have known renal dysfunction, then metformin should be suspended at the time of contrast injection, and cautious follow-up of renal function should be performed until safe reinstitution of metformin can be assured. So if you have known bad renal function and you're on metformin, stop it, get the contrast, get hydrated, 
and then watch for the creatinine levels, and then you can restart potentially 48 hours later. So there's really three different levels of risk, which makes sense. Now, another thing that's been crossing my desk and surely crossing the web and every magazine you read is what is quality? People are complaining a lot about the quality of medicine, not focusing specifically on radiology, but in medicine in general. Different hospitals are trying hard to be the best hospital. There are different grading systems. Well, so I asked the question, is there anything new about running a radiology department? Well, I think there is, and I think we've been trying to do some work in that regard. Starting last year, we had an advisory series where we had outside speakers come to speak with us about how they do their business, and whether they were a chef or a CEO, a men's health editor, editor, whether they were a venture capitalist or president of Walt Disney, or a head of a seven-star hotel chain, they gave us their information and how they would do things. And although we are not anything but medicine, things they said to us were really clearly impactful on how we do things because we are still treating patients and they're treating customers. It's exactly the same thing. And if we treated patients like customers, perhaps we would do a better job. So we've had seven people last year. We've had two more so far this year. We have one more coming on May 6th. So that'll be 10. And so what have we learned? Now, I'm not going to share everything with you. I'm going to share just a couple of the articles that have been published or in press uh, electronically on JACR. So you can read the articles yourself. But I'd like to cover some very important points. Horst Schultes ran the Ritz-Carlton for 20-plus years. He now runs the Capella Group. And he was no-nonsense. He took no prisoners on what he said. Your department may be composed of some of the best physicians in the world, and you know more about medicine than its competitors, but that doesn't necessarily matter. If you don't understand how to optimize service for your customers, all the medical knowledge in the world will not be sufficient for your business to succeed. And he is absolutely correct. He spoke about how you create an environment in which the customers are given timely, satisfactory, and courteous service. He spoke about you need the right people. You need to train them and have them work in an environment of belonging and purpose. He spoke about how you hire. He goes, you don't hire people to perform a task. That's dehumanizing. You hire employees as humans being part of a process to be part of your team. I want them to be part of the vision and dream of our company, and I want them to gain happiness from being part of a team that creates excellence. You'll notice the words excellence, team, training, selection, managing, leadership. Every speaker, although they talked about things different ways, had the same themes. Leaders give no excuses. They exude positivity, optimism, and drive, and that filters down to every member of the organization. Managers are concerned with covering up their own lack of drive and ambition with excuses. So are you a leader or are you a manager? Horst Schultes made the point that patients really don't know whether the care you're providing is excellent or average. They can't tell what went on in surgery. And a lot of times it's our opinion. We're the best of the best. But really, it's how you deal with the patient is what they indeed remember. And so we are running businesses, our hospitals and our outpatient centers, 
the long-term success of those businesses might be helped by introducing ourselves to the patients in the waiting room, being friendly, being available. If patients call our facilities with doubts about their procedures, we take the time to talk to them, introduce yourself, things that radiology is now speaking about, Horse Schulte knows about. And it wasn't just the person who ran the Ritz-Carlton or, or the Capella Hotels. It was Cindy Wolf who runs a number of restaurants, upscale restaurants in Baltimore, one of the Beard finalists nearly every year. Look what she said. I realize that managing the customer experience will undoubtedly be harder in a big organization like yours, as she spoke to Hopkins. Nevertheless, that is not an excuse not to try. Hire people who care about and believe in what your organization is doing and keep paying attention to every aspect of the customer experience. Okay? And she said, look, let me tell you personally, my father was sick. He underwent major surgery, and I felt that the healthcare staff did not consider him to be the most important person in the room and were simply not listening to what he and my family had to say. And she made the point in a restaurant, I may serve 150 people that night, but you're the most important person, and that's how you need to feel. It can't be, I'm running a little bit late because we're busy here or busy there. Those are only excuses. Mrs. Wolf's philosophy to make each customer feel like the most important customer is definitely critical in radiology. We are aware of VIPs. People call me up as a VIP coming, and perhaps you act differently, you spend more time with them. Our goal should be to make sure that every patient is treated with the same attention to detail. Every patient should be considered a VIP. We're scanning 50 patients today. We have 50 VIPs coming. That's a good way of looking at it. It's interesting, there was an article in Radiographics a couple of months ago talking about strategic planning and how to manage the radiology practice in a new healthcare environment. And uh, Sharp commented that the future success of radiologists and their organizations demands embracing healthcare reform and an opportunity to reevaluate how we have done things. You need strategies. You will need to restructure your business and in this article, he spoke about some of the things, definition and articulation of a purpose, definition of goals, prioritization of goals, implementation of processes for tracking how we're doing, and this constant revision of looking at what we're doing. Sharp goes on that we were fee-for-service, and that's disappearing. There will be metrics that are being used, not simply how many RVUs you have done, but more important notions about what patient satisfaction is. We need to have new parameters. Mission statements create an era of healthcare reform should reflect the emergency values of a new healthcare marketplace. Instead of placing value on volume growth, mission statements may be well served to reflect new and emerging ways that radiology groups can add value to the healthcare system beyond simply interpreting exams. Very clear, our business indeed is changing. We need, to look, we need to look at things, look at its four basic principal domains, practice improvement, professional improvement, staff, faculty, customer service, and satisfaction. Okay, so simply doing what we've done, even if we've done it well, is not gonna be enough. We need to be thinking about what we're doing and how we're doing it. That indeed becomes very, very important. It goes back to that Cindy Wolf thing. We maintain this emphasis by paying attention to how every person in our organization deals with the customer. This begins with newly hired people. We give each trainee a clear job. 
we train them with the best possible person. Not until we train someone are they ready to work with our customers. Needless to say, we do not allow newly hired staff members to practice on our customers. We do not practice. We need to get things right before they meet our customers. And again, it's not going to be easy, but it's something we need to do. Now, people then ask perhaps, can the internet help us? Can social media help us? Uh, Whitney Fishman Zember was here and spoke about social media and how it's changing healthcare in general. As more and more people use social media for other forms of information, using social media for personal health seems only natural. Social media can play a role in patients taking charge of their own health because of its informational, emotional, and communicative value. So indeed, healthcare trends are changing to more of a patient-centric model, and social media can definitely be used to make this better. Patients also develop trusted networks what you need to make certain is that your hospital, your system is one of those trusted networks. So you think about it, putting all this together, what do physicians and what do patients want from social media? Well, that becomes very important. Patients want more contact with their caregivers, physicians and other caregivers. The ability to quickly and proactively share and receive information is what they want. They want to strengthen the personal ownership of their health care. And again, social media and the whole networking really is about control. I am in charge of myself. And if you're in charge of everything else in your life, why shouldn't you be in charge of your health? And again, how we use social media is a challenge. We're not perfect at it. It's something many people don't know how to do. Building a positive online presence can build a positive relationship. Building a poor presence can build a negative relationship. So indeed is very important. We know about caution. We know about HIPAA violations. We know about many things that we're not simply talking about a rock album where everybody has their opinion. This is patient care. You can't be online talking about many things, but at a patient care level, at a one-to-one -one level, you can do many things in a confidential manner. But again, it's something you need to be very, very careful about. And if you look... Um, Again, in terms of how we deal with patients, social media might allow us to convey the importance of our specialty to patients in a direct way we weren't ever able to do before. So we speak about radiology and the invisible radiologist. People don't know who we are. They don't know what we do. They don't know why they're paying us. Perhaps online we can do better things. Radiology info, for example, tells patients how their studies will go, what will happen, how they prep for them. It talks very positively about radiology and the radiologists and technologists and what we do. So again, social media can be a way of reinventing radiology. So indeed, it's very exciting. And with that, I'll tell you what, let's take a few minute break and we'll come right back and we'll start up on the third and final part, looking at some new information on incidental omas. Be right back. <music> 